Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, with your host, Vanessa. On this podcast, we talk about who your coach is when the name tag comes off. What makes this coach tick? How did they get started? And what kept them going? What coach inspired them? Do they have any passions outside of coaching? And most importantly, what do they want their legacy to be? Tune in to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. Welcome back to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, Why Coaches Are Humans Too. On this podcast, we interview coaches across the nation to find out who they truly are and what makes them tick. And today, good morning, we have Eric from Des Moines on How Are You, Dude? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm I'm pretty great. I feel like I'm slow booting. I have my coffee next to me right now. I'm just like trying to shake off the 30 degree weather that we have in Texas. You know, poor Texans can't deal with like anything below 60. So wow. I mean, I'm kind of like I just ate breakfast and I'm kind of unthawing. Um, it's like 15 degrees in Des Moines. Oh. It's dry. <laughs> snow. Um, I have no hair now. <laughs> yeah, my head's a little cold. It's more than the rest of my body's fine, but my head feels like it's an ice cube. Yeah, well, fortunately, we warm up about midday, so we get in like mid 60s, 70s, so it's pretty nice. And we're oh, actually we're gonna go to uh, Chicken and Pickle. Have you ever heard of that? No, but I'm intrigued. Okay, so Chicken and Pickle is this little place. <laughs> I wish we were sponsored by them because I'm dropping their name. But we're, it's a, it's a pickleball place here in San Antonio. Have you ever heard of pickleball? Oh, yeah. Okay. Played in college in one of my classes. Awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah, my mom is, like, obsessed with it. She lives in Georgetown in a retirement area. And I don't know what it is about, like, the 60s plus right now, but they're obsessed with, with pickleball. Um, but so are a lot of the college students. So it's like really popular here in San Antonio. That's what's up. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm really, ex- I'm really excited to go try it out. I think it's going to be fun. My hand-eye coordination, not so great because I've been a soccer player, but I feel like it'll be fun anyway. <laughs> hey, practice. It's all, it's all it takes. Well, practice. Yeah, and then when you throw a bunch of trainers in with each other, I mean, we're bound to get competitive, so I'm sure I'll figure it out. <laughs> well, the best part is, like, you know, as, as like a fitness professional, it's like we should be extremely Extremely, like the perception is we were extremely athletic, right? Right. I mean, I've seen some basketball games as like a team activity, <laughs> and it's not the most athletic. Brutal. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. That was that us. Yeah, that was us with top golf too. Everybody was trying to figure out how to how to swing it, and I was like, I just want to hit the fences. <laughs> like, I just want to come at it like full-on running i don't like doing like the short-sighted stuff but it was fun hit the back of the net that's all i try to do when i go to top golf exactly all right so tell us a little bit about yourself have you always been in des moines or like where where are you from i have only been in des moines for about five weeks actually Mm. so um born and raised in southwest minnesota about an hour north of Iowa, an hour straight east, or yeah, east of uh, Brookings, South Dakota. So literally the corner of the state, um, flatland, cornfields, some lakes. Um, <laughs> Minnesota is you know, the land of 10,000, probably more like 13,000 now. 
Um, but born and raised there in southwest Minnesota on a farm. And then when I was about 24, 25, somewhere in that transition of year of the 24, 25, um, I decided I needed to, needed to start a new chapter in life and moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And lived there for about six years, seven years. Um, met a girl while I was there, and she's from Michigan mm-hmm. originally, and she said one night I came home, and she's like, well, I kind of want to move closer to home. I'm like, all right, we'll start looking at options. And about three weeks later, she's like, I took a job in Michigan. We're moving to Michigan. Oh. What are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'll pack my bag. Let's go. <laughs> um, and then we moved to Michigan, and, you know, as life, we kind of grow in life and try to find new opportunities and grow in your profession for the both of us. And it was probably around things really picked up in September, end of September for her. Um, we were kind of looking to relocate somewhere in the Midwest, um, preferably, you know, kind of a halfway point between our, our families. And Des Moines is nowhere near a halfway point, but, um, yeah, I had an opportunity. Um, Kayla, my my manager here in Des Moines, reached out probably towards the end of July. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I had always had some interest in coming to Des Moines, and he knew that. And we kind of had played tag back and forth. And I, he actually said in our first staff meeting when he introduced me to the staff, he's like, this is the fourth time that I tried to get him here, and it finally worked. <laughs> I guess I spiked the right Kool-Aid this time, uh-huh. <laughs> and he got here. So, um, but yeah, she found a job here, a new opportunity here in her profession as well to kind of move forward, and here we are. So that's pretty cool. And that's and you. So within the four within four years, you said you've been in three different clubs. Is that yeah. correct? So I started with Lifetime mm-hmm. in November of 2016. Um, started in Omaha. And then we moved to Michigan, had the opportunity to make a, a lateral move with Lifetime, um, staying in my same capacity as I'm the group training coordinator, um, Was got moved up and promoted into that opportunity in, in Omaha, had the opportunity, opportunity to do the same thing at a different club in Commerce Township in Michigan, and then again coming here to Des Moines, um, same opportunity, just a bigger program, bigger club. So, um, an amazing opportunity, a great staff, and a lot of good things coming uh, with this club because they've kind of been a leader of the pack with a small group, and I'm excited to be a part of it and hopefully uh, take it to bigger heights. Right. That's pretty cool, though. And I don't know. I feel like there's something special about your voice that I can't really pinpoint. <laughs> I may or may not have dabbled in radio. <clears throat> ah, that's what it is. Okay, okay. Years of my life. Okay, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I would love to hear about your radio career. Yeah, so when I started my tenure, not 10 years, even though it was 10 years, <laughs> of, of post-secondary education, otherwise known as college, um, I went to school for radio TV, and I was fascinated. I loved sports. I knew I wasn't going to be able to play them in college because of um, circumstances that were in my control, but not so much. Um, so I wanted to be involved in some way, shape, or form, other than coaching athletics, which I've done for a long time as well. Um, but doing like being like radio and TV, be that play-by-play color guy to give insight and stuff on on sports. And so I got into that, and then I actually got onto the local radio station where I was going to school because I started going to school about 25 miles from where I grew up, and I had some mutual friends that worked there. They hooked me up with a job, 
and started just running, being a board operator. So what that means is all I did was sit in the studio and made sure that announcers got on and off the air properly, made sure commercials ran, highlights, all that kind of stuff. So I pretty much ran, I was like master control, right? <laughs> Anytime things went well, um, they got all the praise people on air. Anytime everything went bad, it was on me. Oh. Um, and I was not great when I started. Yeah. There was a lot going on at once, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Freaking out. Um, and I worked at a department in sports that was pretty prestigious in the state for a small market, and we had a lot of good high school teams making to the state tournament, a lot of good games. So we were featured a lot um, across the state for our – our on-air call, play-by-play callers, so a lot of good pressure because they were really good. And I worked my way up, um, became a color analyst for high school athletics around the area, but also doing uh, color, analy- color analyst for Southwest Minnesota State University uh, for football, men's and women's basketball. That's Division Two, and they play in the Northern Sun. So um, got to see a lot of great athletics and meet a lot of great people within sports information. And then also did um, on-air for Top 40 Station. And I had my own show uh, Monday through Friday, live on the air, 5, or excuse me, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. I was live. And then it was voice tracks, so pre-recorded from 10 a.m. to 5 in the morning. So um, it was the Frizz show. It was awesome, a great time, and really kind of got to grow my personality through that. So it was a good time. I loved it. Um, still kind of involved in it to this day. I do some side stuff for them when it comes to highlights and um, all that kind of fun stuff that I really enjoy because I get to put my creative touch on it. So, yeah, it was a great experience. And I, I, if I could still do that on the side, it, I would totally do it in a heartbeat. So my favorite part of TV and radio are the bloopers. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, I'm going to bring it up. So, <laughs> like... I want to get into the juicy part of being on the radio. So what is what was one of your favorite blooper moments? There's a lot. I have a file, <laughs> um, as well as everybody else. Um, oh, man. I mean, for me, it was depending. It depends. So, like, you know, there's a lot of things that are, you know, not so – Safe for work, I guess, are appropriate. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Because I have a lot of those and yeah. happenstance, but um, I think one of the hardest ones I've done while I was in studio on air, it was it wasn't more of a blooper; it was more just like grossed out, right? Okay. Um, okay. So, like, my window, my studio faced a bank and then a gas station. And the bank, there's two kids, like one went in, whatever, to deposit money, I don't know. It comes back out, it's a young couple, high school kids, whatever. And they literally just start making out on the roof of the car, like, <laughs> right in front of me, as I'm talking. So I'm like giving like a play-by-play of what's going on. Like I stop everything. Like, oh like, literally stop the song and like gave a live play-by-play and the funny part is they had their the car was on, they had no. their on and they didn't even pick up on it. Oh my god. I was like, they must have really been in the moment. I mean <laughs> I mean, you know, young love. I guess. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. There I mean, there's a lot of stuff. That's just one that kind of sticks out. Um 
with sports and um, maybe not so much, you know what I mean, kind of a blooper. Um, it was like a section championship for basketball. And if you've ever seen, so we're precursor this, it involves Chris Farley. Um, and it was a big game, two of the top teams in the state, and it's coming like down to the wire. Kid comes down, they tie the game at two. So this is like the last possession, last possession for each team coming up. The kid comes down, pulls up from like 30, and just drills a huge three. And I'm like, and I just go, oh, boy! Like, Chris Farley, <laughs> kind of like, it feels very Doughboy. Yeah. Um, and then, so, and I, in the, it was Aaron Zemer was next to me, and he looks at me, and he just, like, he smiles, because he's like, I can't, like, not be in this moment. <laughs> so he has to wait till the game gets over, and, like, the funny part is, kid hits a three, and he goes by one. Uh-huh. Other team comes down, hits one at the buzzer to win. So, like, you know, the moment passes, it was insane. We literally get to the break. He looks at me, and he just starts, he loses it. He was laughing hysterically, just turning red, couldn't catch his breath. He's like, you sounded like Chris Farley in the Pillsbury. <laughs> I'm like, and I didn't even know. I was just so excited because it was a huge moment. Oh. Um, one of the first times I'd ever been involved with it. So... Dang it, Chris Farley. He's such yeah. a he. He was such a genius. R.I.P. Really though. Um. So they record that clip the next day, and I like I go to bed whatever you know. They record that and they played it three throughout the entire day on the radio. Just that clip to make fun of me as like a like a as a punchline. Um. And the funny part is it played a lot on the morning show. And my roommate Swam. He is the morning show host, so when he, like, heard about it, like, he heard from Zemer, and, like, so he got the clip, and they just kept playing, like, playing it on a loop, like, oh, my God, I'm like, oh, my God, and I had no idea what was going on. And, like, my phone's blowing up, whatever. You know, my family, my friends, I get to work, and, like, they tell me, I'm like, you guys suck. Oh, my gosh. I'm so embarrassed, so, and that's, that's when I started really keeping track of every single moment. Every little screw up, as far as like a blooper that could be like conceived, not even question. Some are questionable, mm-hmm. but anything—a high-pitched voice with something that's kind of off color. Like I kept track of all of it. That's so funny. I remember <laughs> we have um, when I used to work for Gold. They started developing this app called the Amp app, and it was it was actual coaches that were in the clubs recording workouts. Right, so we're like trying to cue and do all the things that we do in person. Okay, first of all, never have a real coach doing a voiceover. Just don't. Like, don't do it. No. I could not control my my volume. Like, I could not figure it out. They were like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're screaming. You're screaming. And I'm like, I know, but you're telling me to be excited. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, you have to be, like, quiet but also sound, like, really excited. And I was like... I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so, like, it was such a, like, so I definitely, like, big props to you for doing, like, radio and all that jazz. Like, I have no idea. Like, obviously, we're here, but this feels a little bit more natural. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's a little different. <laughs> it's a lot different. Um, so another thing that was really impressive, too, that um, I want you to talk about is is your educational career. I mean... Yeah, my tenure? Yeah, let's let's dive into that. Um, I'm what you would call a well-rounded <laughs> student. 
Um, maybe a doctor. A lot of school, a lot of people go to school for 10 years and they're called doctors. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, go to school for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Haven't figured it out yet. 10 years is a long time, a decade of your life. Right. Approximately one third of my entire life. Yeah. Um, so, I started school at Southwest Minnesota State in Marshall, Minnesota. Graduated from the University of Nebraska at Omaha, not the Huskers, not Go Big Red, Roll the Boat, Go Gophers all day. Had to throw that in there. Sorry, Tony <laughs> Schuster. Um, but my, like I said, I started out on radio TV, so I've been all over the map. Um, we counted it at Christmas one year, 11 different majors in 10 years. So there's radio TV, there is mass communications, education, K through 12, so physical education and health, English literature, social studies, specifically history, uh-huh. uh, creative writing, mm-hmm. sports management, recreation and sport management. <laughs> um, what else? Recreation management, period. <laughs> and then also, um, what I graduated with finally is health, physical education, recreation, science, and studies from Nebraska Omaha and then I have a coaching minor from Southwest. So Golly. I'm a well rounded student. I have enough credits probably for like three or four degrees. <laughs> that's that's impressive. I mean it really is. I mean you really enjoyed school. I mean I took the victory <laughs> lap twice. <laughs> but I think like <laughs> out of my ten years I yeah. Uh, it's a lot. So I was going to a there's a period where I didn't go to class a lot. Uh-huh. Um, there's class where there's a period where I went to class every day. Yeah. <laughs> so you know I had that no balance. Uh-huh. Too much obsessive, and then the the good balance. No. Graduated. Something that was a little bit more athletically focused. You got into baseball at some point. Is that correct? With another previous co-host of ours, Tony Schuster. <laughs> yes. So. Um, We'll, we'll get to Schuster. Okay, okay. Um, but it started with, um, I've been, I played baseball my entire life. I pretty much grew up with a baseball and a bat in my hand. And I graduated college, or high school, excuse me, and wasn't going to play college athletics and wanted to be involved in coaching in some aspect, in some shape or capacity. And I was coaching junior high basketball at my alma mater, and then I was going to coach baseball, too, so I sent an email out to all the area athletic directors, and it's about nine schools in that area. And my, 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 my backball plan was to just be like junior high or help out with the varsity at my old high school. But I got an email from Russell Tyler Ruthton, who is one of our rival schools in my high school, so this is a little weird, um, got offered the head coaching job for the varsity squad. And this is their first year they had a team, and I was kind of like, either they're, either they did not read my background very well, mm-hmm. or they are super desperate. <laughs> We're gonna go with the latter on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only person to apply, and it was two months before the season. So um, that night, I got I got the offer, met with them, got the offer, met my parents, a couple of my coaches uh, that I had in high school kind of my mentors at the time, and they said, you know, what's the worst that's gonna happen? You're gonna not do well? Cool. They don't have a program, so that's better than not having anything. Mm-hmm. True. So I took the job, 
um, when I started it was two, it was RTR and then Lincoln High, which are, they're in the same county, just like opposite ends, and they're big time rivals. Like, to the point where Lincoln High, I think it was Lincoln High, poured liquid manure in RTR's gym. Oh. Winter before. My gosh. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they did not get along. So bridging that gap, and we were connected for two years, and then both schools kind of departed ways. They thought it was the best interest of both schools um, to have their own program. And I stuck with RTR because they're the ones who actually came to me because everything was funneled through RTR. Um, I stayed with that program. And we, my first year when we were Lincoln, we were called Lincoln County, uh, we were 0-18. We were bad. Like, we made the Bad News Bears look like the New York Yankees. <laughs> That's how bad we were. Um, and it doesn't help, like, the first game of the playoffs, you play the number one team in the state, and, you know, they had pity upon us because they threw a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we still got dimed. It was really bad. So, yeah. Um, my first year, like I said, 0-18, I started my career in, like, an 0-32 game losing streak, and I totally forgot about this until now. Our first game, we got no hit. Very first game ever. No hit. So, um, my last year, we were above 500, and we were three games from the state tournament. So to go from the Bad News Bears to building something that was pretty special yeah. in the span of five years was awesome. Um, took a step away for a year to focus on school, and then I also wound up moving to Omaha in that process as well. And this is where Tony Schuster comes into the picture. Um, same thing I did in Minnesota. I was living in Omaha, going to school, and wanted to. Like, it felt like something was missing in my life, and it was that connection to coaching and being around, you know, young men and trying to make them not just better baseball players, because that's ultimately, like, as a baseball coach, that's not my. That is a part of my job, but my ultimate job is to make them better students in the classroom, on the field, in the community. Um, you know, as family, as brothers, future husbands cousins, everything like that, make them right. a better human being overall. Like that is what I strive for as as a well, as a baseball coach, but also as as a coach here. Right. Just as a human being. Um sent an email out and got a response from Omaha Burke and Scott Hodges and Scott Hodges is one to always have um he's a quick trigger to have a like a smart remark. He's very witty, um, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. He, Awesome. I love him to death and thankful for the opportunity. <laughs> um, so I was at Burke for five years and was the head JV coach for three of them and became, well, I'm not going to say rivals with Tony Schuster. Mm-hmm. Um, he was coaching at Bellevue West at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I've never lost to Tony Schuster in my life. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, He'll probably say something different, but uh, my story is the truth, and I'm sticking to it because it's what I said. (coughs) Um, So, yeah, um, got to know Tony a little bit through baseball. Um, Unfortunately, never had the opportunity to work with him directly at Lifetime. He came to Omaha after I had left. Um, But got to know him, and he's just, you know, not having deep, deep conversations, but just watching him interact with his kids that he had in the team and, getting to know him now and I just envy the way he carries himself because um, you know he's been through a lot in his life as well and how he carries himself as a man mm-hmm. seeing him interact with kids 
it's just it's special. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has that that stickiness factor as to how he can take a real life situation and break it down into the game of baseball. Whether it's coaching a clean and jerk, um, he can take that and break it down in any way you want. It is so special to see and watch and listen and learn um, from him from afar. And I just have a mad respect for, for Tony. And I, I look forward to working him with him now that I'm back in the Heartland region as well. Yeah, I think that that's, that's actually something that we highlighted in our episode with Tony was learning from each other and just reaching out to coaches that we don't even know, we've never met, right? Like, And that was one of my, you know, one of my more exciting episodes too with Vernon Stevens, he was a ex NFL strength and conditioning coach. So I'm like, Oh dude, like I want to pick your brain so bad because like, obviously I love, you know, working with the general population and I love working with what I call athletes of life. Right. Versus like just the professional athletes, but just his perspective. Like I've never had access to someone with, you know, someone that worked, with people like that and then Tony you know he works with kids so like that's another person that I'm just like dude like the things that you're doing right now is is just pretty awesome and I'm I'm definitely not as great as showcasing my stuff on on social but I think that we definitely could all learn from each other you know like I love getting we actually just got what I call new blood (laughs) in our team recently and you know, he worked with um, some athletes at Rice and stuff like that. So I'm I'm excited to learn from one of our newer folks. And it's okay that, you know, he is a young buck. He's 25, but he has a lot of good experience. And I think that even especially sometimes the, um, the newbies that haven't really touched, you know, coaching in this way um, and training in this way, sometimes those are the best people to learn from because they're not – they, they haven't been saturated the way that you have, right? So yeah, I, I, I just love learning from each other. Um, one of the best teachers, though, is life experience. And I think that you've had, you know, definitely your share of life experience, especially with, you know, transformations. You have a phenomenal transformation of losing 315 pounds. And I'm going to say that like one more time so that people can understand how monumental that is. You've lost three, that's 315, 315 pounds. Yeah. That's amazing. How did that, how did that journey start? I want to hear all about that. Um, so I've always struggled with my weight from when I, and then I think the root of the problem was kindergarten having elementary school food. I ate pretty good until I got to elementary school. Yeah. And you know, when they say you can go back, for, you can go back for seconds. Sweet, I'll go. Mm-hmm. No problem. Um, and you know, you can only have pizza so many times in one day. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I've always struggled with my weight, and I still do to this day. And I and and I feel like right now, like it's it's something that I'm always going to battle with in my entire life. But um, I played three sports in high school. So it kind of sort of kept my weight at bay, even though it really didn't. Um, but it all kind of came to a head May 28th, 2009. It was 8.43 p.m. I was driving home from a baseball game just south of Marshall, about a mile. And I started having these chest pains out of nowhere. I'm sweating uncontrollably, um, shortness of breath. My right arm is going numb. I'm fading in and out of consciousness. And all these signs, if you know anything, you know, about your health in general, all the signs point 
towards having a heart attack. Right. I'm 21 years old. Um, and being the smart 21, invincible 21-year-old that I was, um, instead of pulling over to the side of the road and calling you know, 911, mm-hmm. I whip a UV drive back into town, get checked into the ER, and they do an EKG, some other scans, and about two hours goes by, and I'm sitting there with my parents, who I called immediately and told them to get their butts to town. Um, doctor tells me, comes back and tells me I'm just fine. Um, no blockages, everything's good, you're free to go. Just make some small changes to your diet, and you know, with the air quotations, small changes. Right. Um, instead of just being, you know, brutally honest and saying, change your shit or you're gonna die fast. Right. Um, was very polite about it, and that was the first time in my life, like, as I walked out, I'm like, you know, I was relieved, obviously, but I'm getting back into my truck as I, we walk out and I stop my parents dead in their tracks and say, Mom, Dad, these people are full of shit. Yeah. Um, there's something wrong. I need to make a change. And that was the first time that I had decided to do something for myself in, in regards of changing my health. A lot of my family, my friends, they had all tried in every single way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, to my parents, even to the point where they brought me to the bariatrics unit in Marshall, and, you know, I fought it the entire time. Like, they said, get in the car, we're going somewhere, and we pulled up, and, like, I'm not going in. And then I finally went in just to appease them, and then they asked if I wanted my parents to come in um, for the consult, and I said, no, they can stay their asses out here. Right. Because um, I didn't, I was super pissed at them at the time. And so I went in, you know, did the consultation, lied through my teeth about a lot of the answers. And then they, obviously, the dietitian knows that because what I said and what I physically appeared are two different things. Right. Um, so, you know, I got in their suggested plan that we created, and I initially lost about 10 pounds really, really quick. You know, it felt good, but I'm like, whatever, you know. Um, and then it was about a month later, where kind of my weight skyrocketed again, started the process of skyrocketing. I'd lost that 10 pounds. And I remember we had, my dad's a farmer, um, crops and cattle, and we had cattle get out of one of their cattle yards and there was, we had gotten them all back over like, they got everywhere. So like, it was like saying like probably four or five days. Um, and we had one left and we, it kind of came back to the yard and we had this back alleyway where we had two gates because my dad would drive the tractor through for the, for the feed bunks. And my dad's like, all right, we're going to get him in. I'm going to close the back gate. And the second I do that, because we knew he'd take off towards the other end, my mom, he's like, close this gate, tells him not to close this gate and then get out of the way. Because all you had to do was like lock it into place, like swing the gate and it locks into place automatically. Because he wouldn't have ran through it, he would just stop. Um, so my mom, my dad does it. My mom, he's screaming, go, 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 go. Like my mom closed, can't see it. Um, didn't know how close the cow was. And my mom just gets railroaded. Like Ray Lewis laying somebody out in the NFL. Like those giant hits you see when a receiver goes across the middle, just gets laid out. Oh my God. Cow does that to my mom. And I see my mom like fly out like 10 feet backwards. Um, and like, you know, instantly like, whoa. Um, 
ran over, like, that was probably the scariest thing in my life because my mom, like, just, like, whiplash and everything like that. Had a, she wound up in the in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, in ER and everything like that. Had a small bleed on her brain. Oh, my gosh. Uh, thankfully, she's okay. Yeah. Um, she can't smell. And sometimes doesn't have, she doesn't have full effect of her taste. So um, living on a farm and having, you know, a husband and two boys, probably a blessing at that point for her. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it doesn't smell good. Right. Um, in the summer, like, you know, July, August, when it's hot and humid and you have two cattle yards full of cattle. Oh, yeah. It doesn't smell great. No, I bet not. Um, so, which is good. Uh, for her in that respect so but you know she full recovery she's fine um she has a loss of memory sometimes but she blames it on that but i'm like mom it's just you know it's it's fine you're getting older <laughs> can happen um and she then you know she goes like oh you're such a smart aleck i'm like yeah i know what can i say um but that's where it kind of started to go back the other way um kind of you know depressed my outlet was food right um because, like, I mean, that's scary. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen to my mom, um, you know, how she was going to be going forward. So I freaked out, and I stressed on food. And that's what started it. Um, but when I made that change, I finally got it going myself. Um, started with walking. Like, my parents' old house, there's a front door, and there's a tree probably about 20 yards out. I would walk there and back. Um, once or twice an hour every day and eventually it started going a little bit farther down our driveway um, about halfway so there and back was like a quarter mile mm -hmm. down the end of the driveway and back um, excuse me halfway is like an eighth of a mile down and back down is a quarter mile and then doing that you know same routine and then eventually walking the driveway down the road to my grandparents house which is like a half a mile away I would do that get a ride back home or stay there and then walk back later a couple of times a day and eventually like walking the section and it just kind of grew organically over time mm -hmm. um as we you know when we talk about people here like when you run like you're training for a marathon you're not just gonna roll, go run 26 right. right you build up and i did the same thing with my walking and it slowly started to slowly started to turn into like a walk jog um and then i you know winter is coming and walking in the middle of nowhere in southwest minnesota in the winter and snow yeah not happening right um not because it's cold i mean it was cold but you know the second the wind picks up and there's snow you are miserable yeah. no one can see you yeah um and at school was starting too so i moved back into town and joined the local gym there um at anytime fitness and my buddy who was the manager at the time hooked me up with a great student membership and it just started out with being on the elliptical, walking on the treadmill, and slowly got into lifting weights over time and really had, like, a lot of great things going. And it was Easter of the following year, Easter of 2010, uh, right around baseball. It was during baseball season, actually. Um, we were at a game, and I was talking to a young boy and his family, just, you know, how's your day going, stuff like that, how's school, you said for Easter, um, just a small talk with him and the family, and I'm talking to the young boy, and he's like, Coach Frizz, I just want to tell you something. I'm like, what's up, bud? He's like, I just want to tell you that you look different. I'm like, you know, what do you mean? And I, and I knew because I lost a good chunk of weight already at this time. He's like, you know, I can see your eyes now. 
Oh, uh, you smile more. You don't look so mad. I'm like, that's cool. I got RBF all the time. Sweet. Right. Um, and he, then he looks at his mom, pauses, and looks at me and looks back. She's like, it's okay. You can tell him. You know, you're not going to hurt his feelings. And he looks at me and just says, you don't look as fat. And, like, that was awesome. Like, you know, it, thank you, man. I mean so much. And he means it from a very loving place. Right. Um, you know, nine years old, and I just love how kids tell it how it is. Like, right. super blunt, and I love that. Um, and there's a part of me that wishes we could kind of keep that as we grow up and not learn the PC part of it. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes the truth does hurt, but that's okay. And, like, he meant it. And, it, you know, and it hurt and, like, because, like, damn, like, what was that before? But also at the same time, it's like, you know, like, I'm doing something good. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm like, all right, but thank you, you know, I'll talk to you after the game because the game is about to start. Um, I turn around and start walking back towards the dugout, and I just lost it, like waterworks. Mm-hmm. Um, sobbing uncontrollably, and it meant so much at that moment because I was kind of at, at kind of a crossroads. Um, I had never been a very mentally strong person at all to that point in my life. And anytime adversity, constantly, like, you know, something hard came up in my life, I would just quit. I'd be like, I'm out, I'm good. I don't want any of that. And this is, this whole experience was the first time I had fought back. And everything's going the right way. Um, you know, and I'm losing like one to two pounds a week, like sometimes three at the rate I was going at that time. It was just like, it was falling off my body, the weight was, and at that point, so for about three weeks prior, I'd lost a total of like a pound and a half. So half a pound a week, which is still gradual, consistent, and good progress, it's sustainable. Um, And I was super frustrated. I'm like, what's going on? And it's like that first time I kind of hit where I need to like to switch things up in my life, Um, my nutrition, how I worked out, I needed to move to that next progression, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do. I'm like, screw this. I'm done. Like, awesome. I quit. It was a good run, but I'm just meant to be this fat person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, me quitting hadn't wasn't just like, all right, I'm going to go back to my old ways. It was I had a different plan in mind, and it was the darkest time of I've ever been to in my life and not even knowing how depressed I was even through this whole process. Um, I had a plan up that weekend that I was going to take my own life in front of my entire family on Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, hadn't told my mom that story till about two years ago at a family gathering and she just looked at me like, you're stupid, mm-hmm. but I'm really glad you didn't do that. Right. Um, not just because I'm her son and like, you know, looking back at it now and how selfish, and even then like how selfish of a move that was because like, you know, it's it's not all about me. Like, I have to think about you know, how are my parents going to cope with this? Like, what would they do? Like, how is that going to affect my little brother? Like, you know, the kids that I'm coaching, what message would that have sent? Right. Um, all my life lessons for nothing that I had tried to coach and implement. And that was like my, like the slap in the face, like the snap of the fingers. Like, you're, I was almost in a trance. And I woke up and I like, that moment just stuck with me like, I got, I've got this, I can do this. Um, I have a lot more left in my story. Right. And this is just a chapter. 
and like there's ups and downs in life and this was definitely a major down but a lot of ups to come and thinking of like what I can do and how I could use this not as a crutch but as as a strength as something to help other people and letting people know like you know it's you're not alone in your journey mm-hmm. um in people that are going in that have gone or are going through a similar situation that I went through mm-hmm. you know if you've never been through that exact situation you can't say that you know I can relate like you can to an extent but you can't fully understand right um and like I just my life's mission my life's goal is to be able to use my what I've done to help others and knowing that it can be just a simple, hey, how are you doing conversation? It doesn't have to amount to anything more than that. Right. It doesn't have to amount to this giant sale at Lifetime or anywhere. Mm-hmm. It literally comes down to, hey, how are you doing? Because you like, when we walk down the hallway here, it's like the five-foot rule, right? Like, I say hi to every single person. Right. Like, if I don't, I'm like, damn it. Like, I literally will kick myself if I don't. Right. Because not just because it's the right thing to do or it's the Lifetime way, right? It, right being a good human being and like truly caring about somebody and like that could even if they don't say anything back mm-hmm. even if they what it might look like is they may not acknowledge you physically you don't know whether or not they actually heard you they could have they all they have headphones and so what maybe they're not on right you just like hey how are you doing that could change someone's life like someone just said hi to me and like that's what I love about being from the Midwest, and I missed about being in the Midwest because, you know, the farther east or west you get, you don't have that as much. You know, it's not like a small town feel. Or in the Midwest, everyone's just like, "Hey, just says hi. Hey, how are you today? Like, right. hey, how are you? You know, the Minnesota Minnesota Norwegian <laughs> accent. Um, yeah, yeah. That started to come back since I've moved to Iowa in just five weeks. So yeah. Um. You know, it's like, no, like, the impact just that one statement can have on anybody is insane. And it's the power of just that one statement just blows my mind. Well, and it keeps, to me, it keeps showing up. It definitely keeps showing up for me. And I know that because I, I, while I'm very introverted and, um, I, I just I really love my job and I love people and I love making an impact in somebody's life and like literally that's what I strive to do is change their life for the better even in the most like minute way but something as simple as genuinely when you ask them like how are you no how are you really like having the having the moment if you even have a couple minutes to just be like no no it's okay like let your guard down what's going on right now and I think that that's so important because of exactly what you're talking about when you're going through that huge transformation even if it isn't something that is you know like your like exactly like your story right Mm -hmm. when you're changing your life in a healthier way when you're taking out alcohol as a coping mechanism or food or you're having to change quite literally the people that you surround yourself with sometimes it involves getting a divorce i mean these are like big big situations that I've all I've seen happen over the years that I've been in the fitness industry people will literally leave their spouses because they're just not they start realizing what an impact they have on their life 
and um and that's not obviously easy to deal with so like when they're coming to our classes when you're seeing them in the gym even if they're not coming to our classes i even had a gentleman one time stop me and said i just want to thank you for actually caring because you can tell you can tell when people ask if they really want to listen if they really do want to stop and hear what's going on and you just you come across that way so i think if there's any like even the smallest tidbit that I hope people hear about your story and, t- and take it away is just be more kind. Be more kind and reach out and just say hello to people because you have no idea how that impacts their day. Or even just a small like, dude, I see you hustling. Mm-hmm. Like you're in the gym all the time. I just appreciate you as like as a member and, you know, um, or the, the I haven't seen you in a while, we've missed you, like that definitely brings a smile to people's faces. And I'll say that to people all the time, like even if they don't go to my class, I'll see them around, like maybe they're hopping on the scale or something next to the trainer's desk. And I'm like, hey, like you're one of our regulars, like where have you been? Like they appreciate that so much because a lot of our members have been gone up until now and that's like, that's, you know, it's hard for them to get back into it because yeah, like unfortunately, a lot of people are, you know, they're fearful. They're fearful of a lot of different things right now, right? Their job, their health, their family. Like, there's just a lot of fear right now. Oh, yeah. And, and I we, mean, like, you know, it's talking about being a good person. It's like, you know, this has been my life's work. But I remember, like, there was a time during this whole transition, too. Like, there was a time where I, I was everything I strived not to be. Right. Um, Like, during the whole process, like, you know, I had my 15 minutes of fame where it's like I was, like, everyone's had that that moment in life where like they want to be like the man like the focus the spotlight right that person that everyone like breeds to like naturally just draws to and like and i had that moment but it wasn't the way that i wanted it to be and i didn't care because i just got that attention that i so bad so badly craved you know i got hooked up with in the in the wrong crowd and none of these they're not bad people right but then like and i'm still friends with them to this day and we look back at it now it's like man like what were we doing you know what was i doing mm-hmm. um but like i was you know as mean i was arrogant i was shunning pushing away the people that i didn't like that I truly cared about. I was an evil person. I remember one of my roommates, it was actually Swan, like one day they came home from a tournament in the summer and like he just looked at me because I had something had happened and he looked at me like, who are you? Yeah. I don't even know anymore. Like what kind of person, like you're not the person, my friend that I know, like who are you? Right. And like that was a big wake up moment for me because it's like knowing that, you know, I, I burned some bridges with my best friends and still to this day, like, we're all good, but it's not the same, right? And still working on mending those relationships now when it's been, you know, seven years, eight mm-hmm. years. Um, and that sucks because, like, I'm not going to say I go back and change it because I learned a ton from it, but a part of me is like, you know, I really wish I would not have hurt them. Right. And, like, you know, it's I learned a ton from that situation to – and I'm still learning to this day because I have kind of a quick fuse at times. Right. Um, you know, think things through before you speak, especially when it comes to people that you care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and like truly, not just like, oh yeah, I care about them, like truly near and dear. Like if you're on your deathbed, like 
would they be like that flash before you die supposedly like are they gonna pop in your pop up in your memory because if they do they mean a ton to you right um really think about how far your actions and your words carry because your actions are going to speak louder than your words ever will right um and like you can say like you talking about like truly caring and asking how someone's doing they hear your words but it's the genuine genuineness of your body language that says hey like i actually give a crap right and the inflection of your voice yes and like so like that's one thing like that's a big that was a big takeaway for me through all this is like just remember why you started right stay grounded stay humble right i yeah i feel that especially when you're in club like we have we have the responsibility but also the honor of being the light in so many people's lives so if we can just pick up our head and realize you know we yes we're of the lifetime brand but it's more than that kind of like you said like just be a good human and understand that because of our responsibility and our honor like we can really help people during this really really challenging time especially even you know closer to the holidays that's a whole other ball game right so um eric you know you've lived a lot of life and you've learned a whole lot from a lot of individuals especially i know we haven't really talked about your grandfather but i know he was kind of a big big impact in your life yes um if there were three truths that you knew to be true maybe something that your grandfather also taught you or something that you know we were we were previously talking about what do you potentially want to either you know teach more um you know members that you're working with kids you know Whatever, whatever you kind of want to leave behind. What are those three truths that you know to be true? Um, one big one, the first one that comes to my mind is like what I learned from my grandpa is like always when you meet someone new, um, obviously with COVID times now it's a little different, but um, when you meet someone new, always be the first person to open up that wave of communication with a handshake, like always. Mm. Um, because I'm a firm believer and I learned from him, it's very true if they open up to you and like even like you're both very aggressive like opening up by handshake like first whoever like the first wins right but it's like open up by shaking someone's hand you open up a way of communication and touch yeah um that just opens up the dialogue completely and that's a great icebreaker um the other thing is always and it sounds really corny and cheesy but treat others like you would want to be treated yeah it's a golden rule for a reason yes um and because, you know, it goes back to feeling so great and getting that moment, but I treat a lot of people like crap. And I would never want to be treated like that. Um, the, and, like, the other one, my last big one is, when you go to bed at night, did you give everything that you had to that day? Mm-hmm. Did you do it? If you did not, you have lost a day. And it was, it's funny because that same, like, that quote, I had heard it, but it resonated true with me. I was watching Mm-hmm. You do a video on Ohio State football. Mm-hmm. It's for a training camp, and Urban Meyer said, "Did you give everything you had today? Because if you didn't, you lost the day." Yeah. And we only have so many, and we don't know when our last day is going to be. Yep. And I want to make sure that I give everything I have every single day. And we have a another trainer here. His name is Joe Gonzalez. He just came to Des Moines this summer from Minneapolis. A um, couple of clubs up in the Minneapolis area, and he asks that to me almost every single day. And I don't know if he th- knows that he does it. I think he just does it by happenstance because that's who he is. Yeah. But it's it's refreshing. It's a breath of fresh air because I haven't been asked that forever. 
right. I'm the one asking that to others, but I had not had that question asked to me, proposed to me. Right. So it's like, it's humbling because it opens me up to like really thinking, did I give everything I had to the day? Here while I'm working, at home, mm-hmm. as a fiance, as a dad to my dog Piper, mm-hmm. like as a son to my parents, as a friend to my other parents, like did I give everything I had to that? Yeah. And it's frustrating when you go to bed and a lot of times it probably is no. Right. So like that's been a big project, I guess, or a task of mine for a while is to get better at that and I slowly am. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask Hill, it's probably a little bit too slow because she, you know, like, did you take out the trash? <laughs> the simple things. Did you get off your phone? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm doing better at that part. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of addicted to my phone. So I think yeah. we all, a, a little bit all it's are. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, and it's weird because, like, I've always had an issue, but, like, it got worse over COVID. Because mm-hmm. you sit at home all day and... You know, I'm addicted. And a lot of the time, if you've never lived in Michigan, mm-hmm. um, from November to probably about end of March, it's called gray season, not winter. Mm-hmm. It's gray, it snows, you don't see the sun. So what am I going to do? I can't look outside the gray sky. I'll look at my phone. Right, right, right. So, but yeah, those are three big things for me. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I definitely love that last one. I feel like that makes me want to share that with our team, too, because it's just, it is. It kind of, it keeps things in perspective. And, you know, a lot of, you've had a lot of really good takeaways, something that I feel like I'm sure a lot of people will be taking notes and taking away from them. Um, and you have a lot of power and, and, you know, genuineness in your voice. And so I'm really excited to hear this last piece. What do you, what do you want your legacy to be? Like, what do you want to be remembered for? Investing in every single moment with every single person. Mm-hmm. So that when people walk away, whether it's one conversation, whether it's every day, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. I was in that moment giving them everything I had for that single moment that I had with them. Mm-hmm. Because people are not going to remember what you said. They're going to remember what you do or what you did. Mm-hmm. And if you give them your undivided attention, listen, digest, speak, yeah. listen more. They're gonna remember how you made them feel, and you made them feel ba- made them feel valued. Yep. You made them feel worth their while, and that you weren't just another person. That's yeah. That's definitely one of my favorite quotes: is people don't always remember what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel, and that's just something that I always try to take with me as well. Eric, I cannot thank you enough for your time today and just sharing your story. This is, again, I can't say this enough. I just love getting to, to quote, meet people across the nation that I wouldn't normally get the opportunity to meet. Um, and I cannot wait to, to share this with everyone. But is there anything left, too, that you would like to share with everyone before we leave today? Um, I mean, there's a few things, but the big thing is a uh, couple of things. Row the boat, go gophers. <laughs> yeah, forever. Um, but I have a question for you. Okay. Thinking about, like, all right, you're, like, if you had, like, a vibe, right? Like, what is your, like, if you had to walk out to, like, starting lineups, oh. what, like, what is your jam? Like, what's the song that you would walk out to? Oh, my God. This is such a hard question for me I because I love, I love music, but I would probably say literally anything from Drake so like 
I'll say Drake November 14th. If you, right. if you know what that song is like, it's like it's a little chopped and screwed. So <laughs> it's a little – I definitely – I rock with the chopped and screwed. What about you? Um, there's two. Okay. So the first one is, like, if you know me yeah. at all, um, you know that I'm some, from, like, Southwest Minnesota and everything. So you think, oh, he thought he'd, like, listen to country music and stuff and, like, ACDC, like, Led Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I do listen to country music now as an adult. That's mm-hmm. because influenced by females. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to make people, you know, to make the best of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like, bleed, like, old school hip-hop. So, like, Notorious B.I.G., um, Tupac, all that kind of stuff. That's, like, that's Ice Cube. Like, I live and breathe that. Yeah. So, Notorious B.I.G., um, going back to Cali. Yeah. Or T.I. What You Know. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, that's my thing. Got it. Love er- it. Eric, oh, thank you again. I can't thank you enough for, for spending some time with us today. Thank you for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, where coaches are humans too. I appreciate every human and their journey, and I hope to continue to connect and shed light on how uniquely beautiful we all are. Our differences are what make us unique, but it's our humanity that brings us together. Stay healthy, my friends. This is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Thank you so much again for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are broadcasting on anywhere you can find other podcasts like Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor, where we're recording this podcast now. If you really loved it, which I'm sure you did, we would appreciate a five-star review and a share with all of your friends. Until next time, this is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Stay healthy, my friends.